0: have your Bibles, turn with me to the 20th chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. We're so glad you're here today. Matthew chapter 20, verse number 20. It says, then the mother of James and John, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor What is your request? Jesus asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, We are able. Verse 23, Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Verse 24. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. In other words, they were mad. They got mad. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. And the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Verse 26, listen to what Jesus says. But among you, it will be different. He says, the people of this world, this is the way they treat people. He says, but I don't want it to be that way in my company, in my people. He says, among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. God's word's good, amen? Amen. Last Sunday morning, I reminded our church family of our purpose of existing as a church. There's a lot of churches in our community, a lot of churches in our county, and uh, we thank God for every one of them that preaches Jesus. And, And why do you need another one? I mean, there's a lot of good ones. Why do you, what is our purpose for being here? Why do we need to be here? I mean, if we're, just, if we're just doing something because everybody else do it, maybe we need to rethink our purpose of existence. What is our purpose of existence here at Family Worship Center? Why are we here? Are we just here to promote some denomination? I sure hope not. Uh, Why are we here? And last Sunday, we talked about that. And this is what we've discovered. Family Worship Center exists as a church congregation for this purpose. To believe, to belong, and to serve. We're here to believe, to belong, and to serve. This past week, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a vice president of a local church financial institution here in town and he after we got after we concluded talking our business he said now pastor eddie can i ask you something about church i said well sure i'll be uh i I don't you can ask it i don't know if i can answer it but you be feel free to ask it he said do y'all believe in and he mentioned a a bible principle he said do y'all believe in that and i told him yeah we believe in that and and uh, this is why. He said, why do you believe that? And I gave him scripture. This is why. I said, don't y'all believe that? And he said, "He said, well, you know I'm a board member of my church. I said, yeah. I said, so don't, you, don't y'all believe in that? And he said, this is what he said. He said, Pastor Eddie, I, I, I'm ashamed to tell you this. I'm a board member. I don't know what we believe. I don't know what we believe. And it's amazing, the Christian people, who don't know what they believe. Who don't know. Well, I don't know. And that's the reason. And Satan wants us that way. He wants you to be in confusion. He wants you to be, us to be ignorant about what's right and what's wrong, what's true, what's false. He wants to deceive us. But it's important in these days that we're living, and as Christians, especially in this season... To know what you believe. Because if we don't know what we believe, we'll be easily pulled away. The Bible says in the last days, the Spirit says that in the last days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So it's important that we know what we believe. So uh, we exist to believe, we exist to belong, and we exist to serve. So what do we believe? What do we believe here at Family Worship Center? Well, let me just run through some things real quickly that we believe. We believe there is one God existing in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe. We believe that the Bible is the inspired, authoritative Word of God for mankind. We believe the book is still the book. Hallelujah. We believe... That the Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. We believe that he's deity. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The Muslims, Islam, believes that he's a prophet, but he's not the Son of God. Christians, we believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe the Bible declares this about Jesus Christ. We believe he was born of a virgin. We believe in His sinless life. We believe in His power and miracles. We believe in His substitutionary work on the cross. We believe in His bodily resurrection from the dead. And we believe that right now He's sitting at right, the right hand of God the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. That's what we believe here at Family Worship Center. We exist to believe and to grow in our belief, and that's what we believe. We also believe in the fall of man and in the salvation of man. We believe man fell in the Garden of Eden and man has been messed up ever since. But we believe Jesus came to save mankind. That's what we believe. We also believe the Holy Church is the body of Christ on earth carrying on the ministry of Jesus. We believe in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe it's special. We believe it's important. We believe it's pivotal in this age. We believe that the church is the body of Jesus. People say, oh, I wish Jesus would come down. Jesus has come down. It's in every local church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We believe in the ordinances of the church. We believe in water baptism. We believe in holy communion. We at Family Worship Center believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe on the day of Pentecost, the people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we believe the Holy Spirit is still immersing people today in His power and glory. We also believe in divine healing. You've got to me too late to tell me God doesn't heal. I've experienced it and I've seen it too many times. He is a healing Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He did for somebody else, He did for you. In fact, this one thing I've learned. If I have sickness or disease to try to attack my body, I try to find somebody's testimony of where Jesus has healed them of that very same thing. Because He's no respecter of persons, and if He'll do it for them, He's got to do it for me. We believe in divine healing. We exist to believe. What do we believe? We believe in divine healing. We also believe in the blessed hope. Or the rapture of the church. The return of Jesus Christ. We believe he's coming back soon. Very, very soon. We also believe this. We believe in the final judgment. We believe the Bible teaches that every one of us will stand before a holy God. And give an account of things done in our body. Whether good or bad. But we don't believe that's the end. We believe in the new heaven and a new earth one day. We believe. So you better catch this eclipse because one day we're not going to be on a place where they have any eclipse like that. The reason we are unapologetic in what we believe. The reason why we are unapologetic in what we believe is because what we believe determines the quality and the direction of our life. In the here and now and in the hereafter. What you and I believe determines the quality and the direction of our life in the here and now and the hereafter. So we exist to believe, to grow our believing. But not only does Family Worship Center exist to believe, we exist to belong. A community of faith for the benefit of belonging. Belonging. We're not just a teaching center where you come and get taught to believe we're a fellowship of believers a community of believers that belong to one another we believe that we're here to belong we believe every Christian should belong to a local church everybody every child of God should belong to a local church Why, pastor Why? I know people that just don't even go to church. Well, that's wrong. They should go to a local church. Every Christian should belong to a local church. Why? Because the Bible was written to Christians. The Bible was written to Christians who belong to local fellowships of believers. The New Testament. Corinthians, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Thessalonians. Colossians, Philippians, all the books, the whole book of Revelation is written to local fellowships of believers. People who were in community with one another. The Old Testament is written to a nation of people who were in community with one another. See? So understand the Bible is been written to people who are in fellowship, who belong to one another. To try to interpret the Bible by not being a part of a local church, you're going to mess up every time. Because we believe, and the Bible teaches, that every Christian should be a part of a local church. Why do you think that, Pastor? Well, the Bible refers to Christians as parts of Christ's body. The hand, the feet. The ears, the head, the eye, the tongue, and your parts of your body are only effective when they're connected to the body. Your eye's no good if it's not in your eye socket. Your hand's no good if it's not connected to your arm. Likewise, Christians are not effective because we are the parts of the body. Christians are not effective unless we're connected to the body. So we believe that every child of God, every Christian should be a part of the local church. And then finally, we believe that you should belong because the local church was founded by Jesus. And we're under mandate to do what he says, and he's still the head. He's the head of the church. You say well, I'm not a part of I'm not a part of the church. Well then you're you're a disconnected member of the body that's not giving uh, Submission to the head. Because Jesus is the head. He's the head of the what? He's the head of the body. And if you're not a part of the body, then you're not in submission to the head. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. Jesus said this, I will build, whose church? By my church. Everybody say my church. Everybody say my church. Whose church? It's, it's Jesus' church. I will build my church. It's His church. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, and go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Notice what Jesus says. He says, it's my church. And he says, I want my church to go make disciples of other people and bring them into my church. So it's his church. He gives us the directives to build, help him build his church. And then look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 22. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 22. God has put All things under the authority of Christ and made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. So he's the head of the church. We are the members of the church, the parts of his body. And unless we are a part of a local fellowship, we are not in submission to the head of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why should everybody belong? Why should you belong to a local church? Why? Why? Because the Bible teaches us that there is strength in being connected. There's power in being connected. And there's protection in being connected. Strength in being connected. Power in being connected. And protection in being connected. Two can do more than one. One falls down. Nobody's there to pick him up unless he's with someone else, the Bible says. So there is strength in being connected, power in being connected, and there's protection in being connected. So Family Worship Center exists to believe and to grow in our believing. Family Worship Center exists to belong, a community of faith that's connected with one another, doing the works of Jesus in Murfreesboro and around the world. But not only do we believe, and not only do we belong we exist to serve, too. To serve, too. Now, the general meaning of the word serve is, or servant is to minister or to attend to or to wait on. And in God's kingdom, things look a lot different than in man's kingdom. Go back to Matthew chapter 20. Go back to Matthew chapter 20 and notice what it says. Matthew chapter 20, verse number 20. It says, Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectively to ask a favor. What is your request? What do you need, dear sister? Jesus said. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. Now, here's what... Here's what we need to understand. A mother approaches Jesus asking, and she's approaching him from an earthly perspective. Okay? She's desiring that her sons receive a place of honor in Jesus' kingdom. Now, over the years, this mom has been criticized over and over again. But have you ever noticed when you read this, Jesus never criticizes her? He never tells her she's wrong in asking that. He never blames her. He never says a critical comment to her. Not None whatsoever. Now, uh, she is simply doing what any loving mother would do. She's looking out for the welfare of her two kids. Are you with me? She's just looking out for the welfare of her two kids. Now, the thing that is kind of interesting, they're grown men... They're not in elementary school, and they're grown men, and she's still greasing the wheel for them. So I would call them mama's boys. But anyway, there's hardly a week that goes by. Today, there's hardly a week that goes by that I don't receive a call from some parent. Asking me, could you make a call to so-and-so for my child? Would you write a reference for my child? Would you send an email for my child? Parents, loving parents, are just always looking for an opportunity to get their children taken care of. There is nothing at all wrong with that. That's just being a loving parent. Now understand, this mother was not asking for a sinful thing. She was not asking for a bad thing. She was simply seeking promotion For her children by appointment. All right? She was not asking for a bad thing. She was not asking for a sinful thing. She was just simply seeking for promotion for her children by appointment. You know, God's kingdom and man's kingdom operate two different ways. Okay? In man's kingdom, you grease the wheel, in man's kingdom, it's it's who you know. In man's kingdom, it's politics. In man's kingdom, I tell my kids, the, the uh, relationships you build today are the answers to your problems tomorrow. That's the way man's kingdom operates. That's not the way God's kingdom operates. God's kingdom operates like this. If you want to be a leader, you be a servant. Okay. In man's kingdom, it's who you know. That gets you ahead. In God's kingdom, it's how you serve that gets you ahead. That's why Jesus says, in my kingdom, it don't work this way. He didn't criticize the woman. He just says, you're looking at this from an earthly perspective, not from a God perspective. But here's something you and I need to understand. God's not against promotion. He wants promotion. He wants you to have promotion. He wants you to have increase. He wants you to have raises. He wants you to accelerate. The word promote or promotion literally means to ascend on high. To move to a place of honor. To become great or to lift up. And God's not against promotion. He's for his kids getting promoted. In fact, turn with me to Psalm chapter 75. Turn to Psalm chapter 75. Everybody still here? Look at Psalm chapter 75. Look at Psalm chapter 75, verse 6. Notice what it says. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges, verse 7. He brings down, He exalts another. One translation says it this way. Promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west. Promotion comes from God. Promotion comes from... In other words, God lifts up. To, us, to promote means to lift up, to ascend higher, to go to a place of honor. And God's not against promotion. He says here, it doesn't come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from God. Look at James chapter 4. Turn to the New Testament. James chapter 4, verse number 10. James chapter 4, verse number 10 says this. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will what? Lift you up. What does promotion mean? To lift up. Humble yourselves before the Lord. He will lift you up. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 6. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom though it cost all you have get understanding cherish her and she will what exalt you embrace her and she will honor you so the Lord says here listen if you want to be promoted then become person who is wise become wise so Jesus never criticized this woman he never criticized this mother for trying to get a promotion for her children. He simply brings to light the way that promotion takes place in God's kingdom compared to man's kingdom. Look what it says in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 24. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world... Lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those over them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your what? Servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life As a ransom for many. Jesus said, if you want to be a leader, if you want to be exalted, if you want promotion, he says, you must be a servant. So, with that being said, at Family Worship Center, we believe, we exist to belong, and we exist to serve. Now, why do we place an emphasis on serving? Why do we expect everybody as a part of our fellowship to serve? Why do we promote people getting involved in serving in church and serving their community? Let me give you three quick reasons. Number one, we serve because serving is the example our Lord gave us to follow. If you're his children, you do what he says. Uh, How many have ever heard this? You look just like your mama. Anybody ever heard that? You heard that one? You look just like your mama. You look just like your daddy. I, saw, I hear your mama in just what you said. Anybody ever heard that? You sound just like your daddy. If I hadn't been looking at you, I'd have thought that was your daddy talking right there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? the Bible lets us know that if we want to be like Jesus then we act and look like Jesus. And what did he do and how did he look? He was serving. It says he didn't come to be served, he came to serve. The Son of Man, verse 28, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, over the last 30 years, Amanda and I have cut our teeth in the Word of Faith movement she was born and raised church of christ no music church of christ had to be baptized in water that's why she was born and raised i was born raised in a little pentecostal church uh where you shouted and ran and screamed and you had tambourines and all that kind of stuff she didn't even believe in nothing like that and she came in among me see and uh she, she always wanted to play the tambourine but thank god we kept that devil away from her all right I never did like tambourine. But anyway, but when, then when we, then when we, the Lord worked in our life, we came over, there was a movement about 30 years ago that was really going, called the Word of Faith movement. Word of Faith. Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagan, um, Kenneth Copeland, all those guys. And, uh, and we, we jumped head into it. I mean, we just jumped right into it because it really ministered to our lives in a, in a, a serious season we was going through, and and the, and the word of faith movement is wonderful, uh, and it had some wonderful things about it uh, because, and they emphasize two two major things. Number one, they emphasize faith. <laughs> well, they're called the word of faith, so it's not good to be called the word of faith and then em- emphasize doubt. That's not what you want to do. So they emphasize faith. Well, why is having faith important anyway? Well, without faith, you can't please God. Uh, well, what's the big... I've had people say, what's the big... De-? You talk about faith all the time. What's the big deal about faith? Well, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Why do you not need to understand everything we can about faith? Because the Bible lets us know that faith is one of our weapons in our daily fight. We have the shield of faith. And then the Bible lets us know that the just live by faith. I mean, you're supposed to live by faith. And then the Bible also uh, lets us know that the only fight we're really supposed to fight is the fight of what? Fight of faith. So faith is... We learn faith. We learn faith. That's why you'll never hear her and I talk about how bad things are and talk about our problems. You'll never see us on Facebook posting about all the problems we're having. We just we, we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, and we want to be pleasing to the Lord. So we learn faith. But the other thing that the Word of Faith message taught us was your identity in Christ. Who you are in Jesus. And it taught us that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It taught us we're the head and not the tail. I never liked being the tail anyway. We're the head, not the tail. You heard things like, we're above and not beneath. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are blessed and highly favored. Too blessed to be distressed. Too blessed to be stressed. How I many you have heard all that kind of thing? We were taught all that. And that's wonderful and great. And those principles are true. And we're so thankful for the things the Holy Spirit taught us through the years. Yet Christ has done these wonderful things. He's blessed us. He's raised us up, made us sit together with Him in heavenly places. He's made us more than conquerors. He's taught us the word of faith. Not so we'll sit down and reign, but so we'll be unencumbered to serve. People who are free can serve better than people in bondage. And that's the reason He wants us free. So we'll be better servants Of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've learned this. God does not grow us spiritually. To exempt us from serving. You never get too spiritual to serve. God has not equipped us with skills and talents. To promote us beyond giving of ourselves. In sacrificial service. In God's eyes. None of us are too busy. None of us are too important, and none of us are too qualified to serve the least among us. Okay? None of us. I don't care how much you know. I don't care how much you've been blessed with. I don't care what position you've been placed in. None of us are too overqualified to serve. I hear that a lot lately. I hear that, well, you know, I'm just too overqualified to do that. In God's eyes, none of us are too overqualified to serve. Everybody with me? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. But before you do, uh, let me remind you of this. I serve because Jesus left me an example to follow. And then I also want to share this with you. Serving takes place not because opportunity meets talent, not even because extra time connects with free schedules. Serving takes place because an intentional decision is made to give myself to help meet an unfulfilled need. Okay? Let me repeat that. Serving, really God's serving, takes place not because opportunity meets talent. Not because extra time connects with free schedules. Serving, God's serving, takes place because an intentional decision is made to give myself to help meet an unfulfilled need. You hear people say, well, I've got some extra time, I'll do that. Oh, yeah, I like doing that, so I can serve in that area. That's not when really when serving takes place. Serving just doesn't take place when you get to do something you really like to do. And serving doesn't take place because you, yeah, I ain't got nothing to do, I'll just jump in there and do that. That's not really true serving. That's filling your schedule at your convenience. Serving takes place when I'm willing to sacrifice, make an intentional decision to sacrifice myself to meet an unfulfilled need. Um, Several months ago, um, the Lord had really been dealing with me about Serving personally. Been dealing with me. I said, What do you mean serve? I told him one day in prayer, I just felt it. I said, What do you mean serve? I am the man I am servant premier. That's all I do is serve. And I heard the Spirit of God say, I want you to serve where you don't get any recognition and you don't get any compensation. Because, see, they fly me in to preach somewhere, and I preach, and they give me a check, and I leave, and I'd say, I'm serving. That ain't serving. That ain't serving. And the Spirit of God, I want you to serve somewhere where you're not recognized and where you're not compensated. I said, I don't have time. I'm too busy flying in and preaching. And the Lord was dealing with me about that. And all of a sudden, Sergeant Harry Hegg, who works with us here, texted me one day and said, Pastor, the police department is needing volunteer chaplains. And I was just thinking about you. And I believe you'd make a good one. Could you help us out? You know, you can't tell a guy Who's a policeman? You're too busy. When I got that text, first thing I thought, Oh, man, I don't need this. I'm working 60, 70 hours a week. I'm, I don't need this. Now I thought, maybe he'll give me a gun. Maybe a blue light for one of my cars. Maybe a badge. Glory to God. Get me a badge. So I said, well, what does it, what it do? And he said, well, just be honest with you, Pastor, they want really to help us when we have to inform people that their loved one has been killed. I said, oh, okay. And I hung up and I said, I don't want to do that. I do that all the time. I just don't want to. I've been in, in this 37 years. I don't want to do that. I don't want to sign up for that. All right, I don't want to sign up. And the Lord kept dealing with me. I went a day or two. Kept dealing Finally, I called the police department. I said, okay, I, I volunteer. So we went through training. Yesterday morning, that was months ago. Yesterday morning, I'm getting ready to come to the men's breakfast. Bacon and sausage and eggs and gravy and biscuits. Been so long since I had a b- sausage and bacon and biscuits and <laughs> eggs. Been so long. In fact, it was the last men's breakfast, and uh, so that's an oddity around my house. So I, uh, so I, uh, so I, I'm, I'm getting ready to walk out the door to come to breakfast, and my phone rings. I answer it. Pastor Turner, yes, this so and so with the Murfreesboro Police Department. We need you at Manchester Pike and Joby Jackson. We've had a fatality there and we need you on the scene. See, serving has nothing to do with doing what you like in your extra time. Serving is about sacrificially giving of yourself to meet An unfulfilled need. So I head down Joe B. Jackson, uh, Manchester Highway, at the intersection of Joe B. Jackson. What I saw, I don't want to have to see again. And then one of the lieutenants said, Pastor, here's the address. Can you go inform the family that their son's not coming home. Did I want to do that? No, didn't want to do it. Could I have found a lot better things to do on a Saturday morning? You better believe it. You better believe it. Did Jesus want to go to the cross? No, He didn't want to. But I said, Lord, I'll serve. I'll serve. See, I serve because Jesus left me an example to follow. It's not the easy. It's not just in my convenience. It's sacrificially giving of myself to meet an unfulfilled need. So I serve because Jesus left me an example to follow. Number two, we serve... Because we live in a world too precious to neglect. Have you ever heard this verse? Here's a good one. Might be a new one. For God so loved the what? For God so loved the what? World. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to earth. He served because he loved people. I know people can be a pain. I know they can be a pain. I know they can be boogers. I know people can be frustrating. I know you've got family members that you wished forgets. Y'all have Thanksgiving dinner. I know you have family members like that. But you still love them. I serve because this world is too precious to neglect. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Look at that real quickly. Notice what it says. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you know the same love that sent Jesus to the cross has been put in your and my hearts who ask Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? That same love that motivated Jesus to serve mankind by giving of himself has been put in your heart and my heart. The same love. So we serve because this world is too precious to neglect. People are too precious. People are too wonderful. I know they're frustrating. I know they can be pains. I know they can get themselves in all kind of trouble. I know they, they stumble over their own self. I know that. But they're still too wonderful. Not to serve them. Not to serve them. We serve. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That's what Paul said. And then a few verses later, he said this. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, I know every person that here's my voice that I see, that I'm acquainted with, they're going to stand before a holy God. Every person's going to stand before a holy God. And since I know every person's going to stand before a holy God, I am compelled to serve them. Amen. I, am, I am moved, I'm motivated. I can't stand the thought of them st- standing before a holy God and not have heard the truth and not seen the love of Jesus in, in example in my life we serve. We serve because Jesus left an example to follow. We serve because we live in a world too precious to neglect. And finally, we serve because this is an adventure too thrilling to avoid. (laughs) Aren't some of you tired of the same old routine? Aren't some of you tired of just... Getting up every day, going the same place, doing the same thing, eating the same food. Aren't you just... Well, well, you're the only one that's not. I get tired of doing the same old stuff all the time. I tell you, if you want to break up the monotony and the routine in your life, just choose to Serve you'll run into situations and people that will rock your world. You will. Serving is an adventure, a thrilling adventure, a new experience, a new friendship, a new moment, the opportunity to change somebody's life, the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The opportunity to experience something new. The opportunity to meet a new friend. The opportunity to hear a new word. The opportunity to experience a new adventure. Serving is wonderful. Serving is just an, it's an adventure. And you'll never experience the adventures that God has for you as long as you remain your, keep your gifts to yourself and remain to yourself and stay in your routine. It's when you launch out that you experience things That'll rock your world. (laughs) If you want to smell some new smells that you've never smelled before, you don't have to go to the greatest restaurant. Go down the Royal Ranger wing on Wednesday night. (laughs) Them boys produce smells that will rock you around the globe. If you want to experience some new thrills, just work in our children's ministry. If you want to meet a new family and you need some... People say all the time, well, I just don't have any friends. Come work in our parking lot. Come work in our parking lot. Well, you know, Pastor, I just, I just don't have an opportunity. I, just, I don't have an opportunity to express my gift. Well, just come and work with the music team. Serve. It's an adventure. Too thrilling to avoid avoid. And here's one thing I've learned. You will be the most tired you have ever been when you serve, but you'll never get weary. You'll be the most tired you'll ever be, but you'll never get weary. Some of you go to work every day and you've been doing it for years, and when you come home you just flop down. You're weary You're tired and you're weary and you're worn out because you're just doing the same old thing over and over again. I'm going to tell you, when the spirit of serving comes on you, you'll still be tired, but you never get weary because you've experienced someone and something that God has brought into your life. It's an adventure too thrilling to avoid. We believe. We belong. And we serve too. We serve because Jesus left us an example. We serve because the world's too precious to neglect. And we serve because the adventure's too thrilling to avoid. Yesterday, as I pulled up on the crash scene, they had the road blocked. And I pulled up, and a young police officer was standing there directing traffic. I rode my passenger window down. He, he says, can I help you? I said, I'm Pastor Eddie Turner, I'm a chaplain. He reached his hand, big old hand, young, good-looking young man, never met. He reached his hand into the window. He said, can I shake your hand? I said, well, sure you can. He said, I just want to thank you for coming and helping us today. I just want to thank you. That was a thrill to me that I would have never got if I'd have slept in yesterday morning. It's not something I wanted to do. It wasn't no fun at all. But I had a thrill yesterday. I met a young man who appreciated me not because of what I gave him, not because of what I did for him, but because I came along to help Him. Too thrilling to avoid. Stand with me, would you? If you're here today and your heart has been stirred, if you're sitting there and thinking, you know, I'm not really serving. I've used the excuse I've been too busy or I got hurt somewhere else serving, or I don't know anybody, I don't have time, I'm working over. whatever excuse it is, but and many of those are legitimate excuses, I understand that. But if you've been sitting here today and the spirit of God has quickened you, it's just you know that's for you, that's for you. you know. Nobody's elbowed you. Nobody's pressured you this morning. But on the inside, you know the spirit of God is saying it's time to reengage. It's time to get back in. We make it we're trying to make it real easy here at Family Worship Center for you. All you have to do is text I serve on your phone. Text I serve, one word, I serve to 555 888 text i serve and if you text that it'll come back and ask you your name and give you a list of places that see if areas you'd like to serve you just check that and then somebody will be calling you in the next two or three weeks